Welcome to the Church of Philadelphia podcast. Get ready for this message to ignite your faith as the power and love of God is shared through his word. We've been talking about encounter all this year, and we're talking about the faces of worship. And, you know, we've gone through the faces of prayer and we've gone through the faces of praise. Now we're talking about the faces of worship. And on this morning, we're going to be talking about worship, the missing key, the missing key. Amen. Amen. As we've been talking about worship, um, you know, we're going to get into this word this morning. Amen. Amen. Let's go and grab your Bibles and we're going to go to Ezra chapter three. And we're going to verse one, Ezra chapter three, verse one. And we're going to read verses one through five. If you could please stand for the reading of God's word to honor the Lord for the reading of his word. Amen. Amen. And let us read and say when and when the seventh month was come and the children of Israel were in the cities, the people gathered to gathered themselves together as one man to Jerusalem. Then stood up Jeshua the son of Josedach and his brethren, the priest and Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatu, and his brethren and builded the altar of God of Israel to offer burnt offerings thereon as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. And they set the altar upon his bases for fear was upon them because of the people of those countries. And they offered burnt offerings thereon unto the Lord even burnt offerings morning and evening. Amen. They kept also the Feast of Tabernacles, as it is written, and offered the daily burnt offerings by number, according to the custom as the duty of every day required. And afterward offered the continual burnt offerings, both of, of the new moons and of all the set feasts of the Lord that were consecrated of everyone that willingly offered a freewill offering unto the Lord. Amen. Amen. And like I said, we're going to be talking about the missing key, the missing key when we're talking about worship this morning. Amen. So let, I'm just going to pray real quick. Father, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for the grace of your son flowing. God, Father, God, through us in the name of Jesus. And we just ask that your spirit will help us in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Um, you know, this we're picking up the story here in the book of Ezra, where Ezra is the one that was responsible for rebuilding the temple that was torn down after the 70 years of exile. And this is according to the word. When you go to the first chapter, you can see that the word of Jeremiah is starting to be, you know, fulfilled all these years later. You know, God doesn't lie. Right. He begins to stir up the king of Persia. God began to stir up the king of Persia to build the temple of God. You know, and so he looked for people to be able to head this. And Ezra was one of those people. Amen. And so when we come here in chapter three, and I'm not going to go too much into history because we have a lot to do this morning. Amen. We have a lot to do this morning. Amen. Amen. So we're going to get into this missing key. Amen. But when we come to chapter three and verse one, and it says, and when the seventh month was come and the children of Israel were in the cities, the people gathered themselves together as one man. This is where the people have already in the city. There are thousands of people that are coming back to restore things. They're coming back to rebuild because of all of the rebellion, all of the time that they, you know, veered away from God. The result was they were taken into exile and they were taken out of their land for 70 years. And now because of that, now, you know, they have to come back and try to put things back together. 
you know, and for some of us in our lives, this is what we're looking like in our place of trying to build a relationship of worship with God. We're trying to put some things back together because of where we veered off where some of us may not feel like we veered off or don't know where we kind of veered off at or we just don't know what those missing places are at where we're just not meeting god the way we should uh or the way that we desire to amen because you know some of we want to be able to spend a long time with god be able to commune with god be able to be at peace with god but there are requirements amen and there are some things that god wants us to understand this morning amen so when, when we see here, they gathered together as one man. And see, the thing is, God, because of the time that had gone by, it didn't matter who was doing what anymore. You know, and th there was unity and there was agreement. You know, there was a stirring together of the people and a stirring together to have a, a greater appreciation for that which was lost, for that which they did not experience anymore. And I don't know about you, but there is a, a stirring that God, I believe God is doing in the midst of us so we can have a greater appreciation and gratitude for the things that God has done in the midst of us and for us as a people. Yes, he's been faithful. Yes, we know that he has been great and he continues to be great. He's not was, he is, amen. He is great in Jesus' name. He is mighty. He is wonderful. He, he has not changed, amen. But there are some things that we're missing. There's some, there's some components that sometimes that we, you know, that we, we have experienced in him that we're not quite experiencing anymore. And this makes us begin to long for him. And for some of us, we needed that. We needed that because we abused it, you know, because when you look at the children of Israel, they abused their relationship with God. They abused the, the, the fact that, that they were chosen. They abused even the system that was given to them to be able to know how to worship and how to approach God. They were not appreciative of it. They did that. They, they were picking it apart. They were just doing it with no heartfelt, you know, in, in, on the inside, you know, they was really devoted to other things, but then they would just go through the motions with God and come and bring sacrifices and offerings and all these different things, you know. So, you know, and, and this is what some of us have been, you know, you got used to just doing something, something you just know how to do. You just know how to get a word. You just know how to pray. You just know because you've been trained properly. You've been taught properly. We've been taught. We've been trained properly. But we have to understand and we have to look at how much appreciation do we really have? How much gratitude of the Lord do we really have? How much gratitude for the things that God has done in the midst of us and the things that he yet wants to do? How much gratitude? And we see the gratitude in the, in the fact that they were unified that they came together, that they, they, were at, they, were at, they were able to put their differences aside because now it had been so long, it didn't matter who did what. Now it had been so long, it didn't matter who was doing whatever. As long as the people who were supposed to be doing the certain things, meaning the Levites and the priests, long as they were in place doing the things that they needed to do, everybody else was willing to come and be a part. Amen? So this unity is important. You know, and when we're talking about, of course, we're talking about encounter. I want to go over the definition for encounter and then we'll go into verse two. So what does encounter mean to meet as an adversary or enemy to engage in conflict with to come upon face to face a pleasant meeting to come upon or experience, especially unexpectedly encounter difficulties to meet, especially by chance. And now we're really going to kind of go in between a little bit of verses, uh, uh, not verse, but definition one and two. 
because this is where we're at, amen, to meet as an adversary or enemy to engage in conflict with, and to, this is what we want, we, to come upon face-to-face -face a pleasant meeting, amen. There is a little bit of conflict between us and God, you know, and sometimes because, you know, we don't know what that conflict is, you know, we don't think that there's conflict or God hasn't spoken that conflict to us and God hasn't made that thing clear to us. We feel like that there's no conflict, but there's some conflict if there's something that's missing. You know, if there's something that's missing in your relationship with the Lord, if there's not a flow of his power, of his grace, of his mercy in your life, if there's not a flow of you actually having a heart to want to serve, to want to give that which you used to give before. Amen. So let's go to verse two. And we're going to camp out here just for a little while. Amen. So then stood up Joshua, Joshua, the son of Josedach and his brethren, the priests, and Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatu, and his brethren, and builded the altar of God of Israel to offer burnt offerings thereon, as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. They began to restore the altar. They began to build back up the altar. And this is what some of the things that we, this is one of the things about the system of worship that was given to them. And, and, you know, one of the things that we've been taught is that, you know, even on last week, that there is a way you just can't come to God any kind of way. See, some people say, well, you know, just like last week, the man of God was talking about come as you are. Yes, God is saying come as you are, but to approach and get close, there is a way, there is a system. And even God gave them the system. He gave them the worship system to be able to be to, uh, to come and get close to him. It required some things. So the first thing that they begin to do is they begin to set up that place of sacrifice. They begin to set up that place of an altar unto the Lord. Why was this important though? Why was this important? When we go and we begin to look at the definition of altar, and like this is going to be a little bit y'all, so track with me, okay? Track with me, track with me. So it, what is the definition of altar? A usually raised structure or place on which sacrifices are offered or incense burned in worship. All right. Often used figuratively to describe a thing giving great or undue precedence, great or undue precedence or value, especially at the cost of something else. Amen. Uh, you know, so when we're talking about this, this is the place where People offered things, you know, people, it was, it's, it's an elevated place where sacrifices were given, sacrifices were given. They begin to restore the place of sacrifice, amen, the, the place of offering, the place of burning, the place of death. The place, because I know this is not going to be all that pretty because this, the, the altar is not really a pretty place. <laughs> you know, it's not, it's a very messy place. It's really, if you really think about really what was going on on this altar where they're burning dead flesh, freshly dead, but, <laughs> you know, where they're burning dead flesh, it's a stinking place. It's a stinking place to us. It's a stinking place. Amen. Not unless they're burning the incense, right? You know, so, but this place, the, the, the altar of burnt offering was for those bigger sacrifices. And we're going to be talking about that whole burnt offering today. Amen. Come on, give me the next slide for altar. 
This is just to kind of bring it out the purposes of an altar, right? A place or platform, a place or platform where spirit, where the spiritual realm interacts with the natural realm on legal grounds. Amen. That means the spiritual realm interacts with the natural realm on legal grounds. Number two is covenants where covenants are entered into and maintained. All right. Where covenants are entered into and maintained. And number three is to give authorization and continuity to any spiritual activity on the earth. So when we look at this, where did mankind get this from? How did how because this, this is not just something that 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 you know was just given to them, meaning it's not just in the book of Exodus and Leviticus that sacrifices was happening. We can go all the way back and, and we, I'm gonna give you a lot of scripture references, amen. We're not gonna have time to really jump everywhere, amen. And maybe you know the uh, teachers will be able to bring this out a little more, amen. But if you go to Genesis chapter four, you see the story of Cain and Abel. Right. And you see where there is one sacrifice that is acceptable, able sacrifice. And then there's one that's not Cain sacrifice. Well, people say, you know, we've talked about that Cain sacrifice where you're giving what you want to give, giving Oh, well, This is just all I have, God. Well, this is just what, you know, I feel like you should be able to accept denoting what that all things are not acceptable to God. We get it confused sometimes that me coming as I am makes me acceptable. No, no, no. He's saying come because you need me, but not everything you offer me, I'm going to accept. Not everything we offer God, he accepts. Not every praise, not every worship, not every sacrifice, not every offering is accepted to God. It's not just a blank check just because he's gracious and merciful. And grace did not just start in the New Testament as we learned last week. God has been gracious the whole time, right? So we understand that even in the Old Testament, this is still a grace that God is, he's been gracious to his people by giving them, uh, uh, you know, a way to be able to approach him. And where did, where did Cain and Abel get this from? They got it from Adam because Adam understood that now when I'm supposed to have died, you know, because of the sin, what did God do? God made the first sacrifice and he covered them with skins, right? So he understood now that the way that I'm going to have to be able to interact with God is not just going to be a straightforward interaction. There's going to be something that's going to be required for me to be able to interact. And for some of us, this is the missing key. We don't want to give God what he requires. We just want to give him what we want to give him, give him what we feel comfortable giving him, give him the sacrifice of our heart and our complaints and all these other things and say, well, God, just, just, just receive this. And yeah, he's going to listen, but it does not mean he has to respond. And meaning that he gives approval and acceptance to those things. It does not mean that. It does not mean he has to interact with what's being offered. We want, we're in the faces of worship because we want interaction with him. Right? That's what we want. We want interaction with him. But see, the, uh, interaction, as we see in Cain and Abel's story, you can go to Genesis chapter 4 and read it. Cain was offering what he had. He was a farmer. Uh, you know, and, and Abel was what well, sheep herder. 
So Abel understood something as he was taught from his parents, but instead of Cain saying, you know what, hey man, hey bro, let me, let me, let me, uh, give me, uh, I'll give you some of these carrots and some of this other stuff. Can, can we, can I get one of those sacrifices? Can I get one of your sheep so I can please the Lord? Instead of exchanging what I have to get what I need, meaning that I, I, I begin to leverage this relationship so I can learn how to be acceptable to God, that I can learn how to come to God in a proper way, then I won't do that. I'll just keep on giving God what I want him to have, what I'm comfortable with him having, what, what, what feels comfortable enough for me to have, to, to give up. I, I don't want to go past a certain point. I don't want to go past a certain level of sacrifice or pain. Uh, I don't want to offer certain things that really he's looking for. And this is why some of us not getting the response that you used to get because we've left that place of sacrifice. This was a part of worship. This was a part of coming before God. This was one of the first steps, even in the temple, in the setup of the temple, the tabernacle, it was sacrifice was needed. And if we really look at this, which we're going to dive into it just a little bit, amen, we can see that sacrifice is still needed to approach him. What is sacrifice? An act of offering to a deity, something precious, especially the killing of a victim on where? An altar. On where? An altar. Meaning what? It is the place. This, see, this, this, we're going to get into this. The, the, you can be an altar. I can be an altar. Meaning this supposed to be the place where the spiritual realm is interacting with the natural, the, the, the God's, God's side, not the other side. Because for some of us, the spiritual realm is interacting with us, but it's not, it's not God's side. Because we're given a sacrifice of different things. We're sacrificing sometimes God, our relationship with, with who he has put in our lives, in order to be able to have a devotion to this other thing. It's the place of sacrifice. You want to grow, you want to go forward, we want, we want to get closer to him. It is that thing that he deems to be acceptable and who makes the rules of what's acceptable? He does. He makes the rules. He chooses to say, this is what I want and this is what I don't want. This is what you can bring and this is what you can't bring. This is what I won't accept and this is what I will not, this is what I will accept. Amen? Come on, give me the next definition is uh, what? Destruction or surrender of something for the sake of something else. That's the next definition for a sacrifice. It is the destruction or surrender of something for the sake of something else. This is what's going on. And this is going to be a little difficult for some of us because we've gotten kind of used to and we're kind of like the people of Israel where you know how to come before him. You know what the things to say, you know, but if you're not getting the same response, be honest. It means it doesn't mean that he's just waiting for you to get to a certain place. It means that your heart is not in a sacrificial place anymore. It means that he's saying, I don't accept what you're giving. That's why I'm not responding. I'm not responding, not because you're not waiting long enough. It's because some of what you're trying to give me is unacceptable. The way that you're trying to deal with my things are unacceptable. The way you're dealing with my people and feel about my people is unacceptable. 
And because you don't want to be, because to change this stuff is going to take a sacrifice. And we don't want to, we, 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 a lot of us feel like we've already given enough. I've already given enough sacrifice to the Lord. I've already given my whole life. I've given everything that I had. What else does he want? And none of us has given more than Jesus. Nobody. None of us. So we see this, this, this place, this platform. And just to, just to mention another uh, uh, example, when you go to 1 Kings, the famous story, 1 Kings chapter 18, like I said, there's too many scriptures today. We're not going to be able to go into all of them. But when you go verses 24 through 39, you can see the, the, the face-off between Elijah and the 850 prophets of Baal. Amen. And, and these, th this face-off, you see when Elijah begins to go and set up his altar, he had to rebuild it. He had to restore it. Because it, it was the altar unto the Lord. And this is, what, this is what's giving some power to other things in our life because we've torn down that altar. This is what it sounds like when you've torn down that altar. I ain't got to do that no more. God don't require that from me no more. When did he stop? When? Did he really stop requiring that from you? Whatever, or did, can we be honest that some things, he it's not that he don't require it no more. You just don't want to give it. We just don't want to give what he requires. We don't want to go to the next place. We want to have something, you know, in exchange for that, you know, meaning uh, now I don't want to do it that way. Let me just do it this way. That looks like it's godly. That looks like that is full of power, but it really don't have any power at all. For some of us, it's the exchange of knowledge, what I know, what I've learned about him. We like to learn the deep things that we can't walk in yet. Why? Because even everything takes a sacrifice to walk in. And the level of sacrifice that most of us are called to, to be able to really fulfill what is on our lives, we despise it. So God is saying, I can't come and interact with you. Why? Because it's going to be conflict. I'm trying to wait until you come and bring the sacrifice that I want. That thing you don't want to do. That people, those people you don't want to forgive. The thing that you don't want to submit and do. That's the thing that he wants. That's the missing key. You want the glory. We want the power in a personal place with him. When you make that, when you make that altar beside your bed, and I ain't talking about nobody going to go build an altar, a platform at your house, don't go do no graven images, none of that crap. Okay? None of that. That's not what the instruction on today is. What I'm saying is that place of offering that comes from the heart and sometimes can be a space in your house a space in your shower, a space in your car, whatever that place of offering is where you continually come and you, you're looking to interact with God. That's the place of sacrifice. But there's a requirement of some things to be brought to that place that should be dead. All the sacrifices was, were dead. And this is the problem. We're not dead enough for the thing that we're offering is still too alive. We're offering us, but we're still too alive. <laughs> it's like, okay, God, okay, I've been complaining. And this is me too. 
Me too. That's why I say we. We are offering stuff, but we're still too alive, spending years complaining about stuff. Not understanding, not wanting to settle things, not wanting to be at peace with people. Because I don't want to have to give more That because I feel like I'm entitled. I've given enough. So we're looking for a different way. And that's why some of us are just so dis distracted because we're looking for a different way. We're looking for a different expression. Come on. Let's go to uh, Romans. Uh, yeah, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. So what? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. He said, look, present yourself. Sacrifice should begin here with us presenting ourselves to be present. Us presenting ourselves, not just to be present in body, but all, as, we, as we've been taught before, all our bodies. Because when you bring you, you're bringing all of you. But the thing is, sometimes we bring our body and we're not bringing all of us. We're saying, God, well, this is where I stop. And God know this about me. I'm just telling you, you won't go no further than that. Because see, the enemy would begin to try to deceive us that this is okay for me to begin to make the rules with God. Because it's out of my complaint. He loves me. He cares for me. And because he loves me and cares for me that I can make the rules on how this relationship is going to go. That I can have control and I, it can be according to what I want it to be. And I'm telling you, it's not. It's not. What you don't want to give, that's what he wants. What you what you don't want to give, that's exactly what he wants for you to be that living sacrifice. Killing of a victim on an altar, meaning that 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 really some things that you're going to do, you're going to feel like you're being victimized. See, I know this is not this is not this is not a happy feel good type of message this morning. Because we don't want to feel like God is putting us in vulnerable situations. But of course he is. If we say we want to be like Jesus, but we don't want to be vulnerable. We don't want to be put in a victim type of situation. Look at Jesus' life when he walked on the earth. All he did was just catch a lot of heartache for doing good. We get a few people don't like us, a few things to be said about us, and then we say, God, this ain't worth that. But we're supposed to be a fellowship with his suffering. Come on, I'm not happy about this either. <laughs> Amen. You know, it, it's not something to celebrate, right? But the end is something to celebrate. It's something to celebrate if I'm going, if I'm excited to get to know him. But the truth is, because I'm speaking to you out of experience, some things I just didn't want to know. I, ain't, I don't want to know him that bad. I don't want to know him if it's going to cause this. I don't want to know him if it's going to. 
That's what we do, though. But it's on the inside that we do it. On the outside, we still look like we devoted. But on the inside, you know you don't feel the same about him. So you, you, we want to say it's about the people, but you don't feel the same about him because you're trying to disconnect the people from him. You're trying to disconnect the process from him. I love you. I just don't like your ways. I mean, you don't like him. God, you, are, you, you are lovely. I want, I, I love you, but your people, God. This is how we know that we're really not walking in love because his people is still his image. And if I don't love my brother and my sister, then how can I go at the altar? The same place where Jesus said, look, if you offer your gift and you know somebody got something against you, leave your gift where? At the altar. At that place of offering. For some, this is why your, your offering is stuck. This is why our offering gets stuck because there's things that people have against us that you're not willing to go and fix because of what it's going to take to fix it, because of what it's going to take to forgive, because it's what it's going to take to be able to let it go and believe God that the relationship is going to be better. See, when you really know God, you know, God, God you'll go worship and God said, no, go talk to your wife. Because what you just said to her wasn't right. Oh, you said it right, but you said it in the wrong tone. Get right with her first. Then come to me. Or I'm going to deal with you, but after you come out of this, go deal with that. Because he's concerned about our connections. See, it's the, sacrifice, it's the things we're willing to sacrifice. And for some of us, we're willing to sacrifice people that God has put in our lives. Because we don't agree with him or his process. We don't want to be that living, continual sacrifice, but we want a continual abiding of his presence. We want a continual abiding, but we don't want to be inconvenienced. This is a sacrificial life. I don't care what nobody else try to tell you. I don't care what anybody else try to try to paint up Christianity to be. I don't know how many times they try to put a Santa Claus hat on his head that he just down there. He just up here just 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 granting wishes like a genie. That is not him. That's not him. No, no, no. It's not. He's not looking to please us. We were made to please him. And this is this is the thing. This is what stops us because we're wanting the pleasure first so we can worship God. And God was like, no, 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 I need what pleases me. This is what worship is about. Worship is about what pleases me. What are you offering on the altar? What altar are you at? Come on, let's go over the definition for worship and then we'll do idol too as well. Worship an excessive admiration or devotion to a person. In this instance, we're talking about God, but let's be honest, for sometimes it's talking about a real person for some of us. To honor or show reverence for as a divine being or supernatural power, right? To regard with great extravagant respect, extravagant. You know, for these, this is for the people who say, oh man, they are, they doing too much. To regard with great extravagant, 
respect, honor, or devotion. What are you devoted to? And, and we all want to say, look, hear me. We all want to say, it's you, God. I'm devoted to you. But let's be honest. If my heart doesn't even want to really spend that much time with him, how am I devoted to him? If, if, if I'm devoted to him, but I don't like his people, how am I devoted to him? Because when you, when you love somebody, you know, I, I'll sit down and watch dance with my wife because that's what she enjoys. And that's for me spending time with her. I understand that what she enjoys gives me a chance to spend time with her. See, we haven't connected that when God puts you around certain people, it's a time for you to spend time with him. Because he loves his people just like he loved me, just like he loved you. As much as you know he loves you, he loves his people. So when you want to be around those people, that's when you know you want to be around what he loves too. Some of us, our worship is fake or is selfish. That's why it doesn't break pride in us. We on our face, but it's not breaking any pride. We, we know how to call out to him, but we're calling out him for our own selfish desires. We're telling him who he is so he can be that for us. But what about if he want to be that for somebody else first? And you wait because you can to perform or take part in worship or an act of worship to perform or take part in worship or an act of worship. Now, what's the definition for idol idol? It's an object of extreme devotion, a representational symbol of an object of worship. We have to be with some of we need to leave today when we get off this call and ask God, what do I really worship? Because for some of you have a real strong devotion to your idea of God. So nobody can come and tell you anything differently. So just think about this, because this is your idea of God. You search out everything that matches that idea. You search out every preacher that matches that idea. But when God comes in conflict with that idea because he's trying to reveal himself the way he wants to be revealed, according to his timeline, according to what you may need that you don't even know, then we lift that up. That's not the God I know. So you totally know God? Who, 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 who totally knows him? Who totally knows his ways? Who has totally gotten him figured out? So you, so, you, so you mean that God can't come a different way? So you mean that God can't begin to establish some things that need to be established again that you feel like you don't, don't need to be established? It's what we want. It's the missing key. The missing key is your sacrifice. What is burning before God for you to be a sacrifice? What is burning? What, what, what is burning before God? What is what are we really offering? What are you extremely devoted to? We say it's him, but let's be honest. It's not him. It's not always been him for me. I'm going to be honest. It's not. Sometimes it's me. 
It ain't even just somebody else. Sometimes it's just me or what I think. I don't want to give up what I think because I'm attached to what I think. I'm attached to the image of what I think, the image of what I want, the image of my desire, the image of what I'm trying to avoid, or I'm attached to the fear of what I'm trying not to be. Some of us, we're bowing at different altars, and it's not God's altar. We're hearing from different things, and it's not God. I know we don't want to tell people that anymore, but you need to go back and begin to check to see, is this God telling you this? What's one of the major keys that you can check is if your leader is telling you Mm. Or if you're hearing something different that comes in conflict with that, then that's when you humble yourself and say, okay, let me go back and pray because maybe I didn't hear right. Let me go have a conversation because maybe it's God is trying to, and he's trying to help me to learn something. But for some of us, we're going off of the God that you know from years ago. Or the God that you come to match your view of what keeps you comfortable. And many times there's someone who, who's, who's, who's really not pastoring you, don't, don't really understand what your particular soul needs in order for growth to happen. I know we don't like this. We don't like, because God's ways and we say, well, God, God, God will come deal with me. If he, if God ain't tell me, look, go read Exodus chapter four, another scripture reference. Why didn't God tell Moses before he tried to kill him what he was upset about when he just left his presence? Why did God not tell Moses? And he had to, he, his wife had to, had to come in and circumcise their son and say, you know what? You a bloody husband to me because this blood could almost been on your hands because you didn't know what to do and you didn't ask nobody. Why did God not tell Moses, the one he's speaking face to face with, cheat to cheat? And he just left his presence. He just he just got done talking to him. He just got. So you mean to tell me that you that we know how to deal with this type of God? That we always know when we're right and when we're wrong? Come on. This is a time, if we're really going to get into worship, this is a time we all just need to humble ourselves and cry out for mercy. Because none of us are totally right. Don't care how much words you got. I don't care how much doctrine you know. I don't care how much you think you got on the inside of you. Nobody really, really got him fully figured out. Nobody. And never will. Not in this life. We must approach him with reverence. We must approach him being careful. But that comes in conflict with come as you are. Because the come as you are message says you don't have to change and God doesn't require anything. Look. Look, people over in the kingdom of darkness know stuff is required. Come on. Now, how do you think they interacting with stuff? Come on. Some of us know about this stuff. You know, I'm not going to go deep into all that. I don't know all who's listening. Amen. I don't feel led to go deep into all that. But something is required for interaction. 
So God already showing what he, he what he has required. And look how loving this God is that he has given what he has required through his son. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. So come on. So they begin to build the altar. So you, you, it, it, it's time for you to build that place of sacrifice back up. I know it's going to take some work and you're going to have to step over some of these boundaries that you done made. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to step over that boundary and, and, and build that place back up that you associate with pain. Build that place back because it was a wrong association. Some of the pain was self-inflicted. Some of the pain was what, I, what, what my reaction was to it. It's not what God intended. But sacrifice does bring a certain level of inconvenience and pain. But we have a loving God that knows how to comfort us at the same time as we go through it. So you got to build that place of sacrifice back up. Build that place of offering what the Lord wants, not what we want to give him. If somebody is plainly telling you this is the next step that you need to take and they are your leader and you go another way, that's rebellion. Even if you don't feel like it is, even if you say, well, I'm just trying to figure stuff out on my own and I'm just trying stop. Listen, walk in the grace of an instruction. And allow that to bring you closer to him so you can worship him and see him as he should be seen right now in your life. We know everybody, everybody's anointed, everybody gifted, everybody. And that's all been given by grace, meaning you didn't earn any of it. That's his grace. It's not our wonderfulness. It's not our goodness. It's not because we're so great. It's not because we're so sanctified. It's not because we're so holy. That helps in the, the, the administration of it. But nobody's earned it. Because this is what we do. We begin to say, well, I'm, doing, I'm living like this and that person living like that. So I begin to now be able to treat this other person a certain type of way, not knowing that I'm treating God that way. So, of course, God got issues. He got issues with some of us. This is the missing key. What is it that you need to sacrifice? For some of us, it's just your time. God can't get your time the way he wants it, not the way we want to give it. Amen. I don't have a lot of scriptures, so, you know, not that we're going to read. Amen. <laughs> I got a lot of scriptures otherwise. Amen. So look at this. <clears throat> so what in verse three says, and they set the altar upon his basis for fear was upon them because of the people of those countries. And they offer burnt offerings thereon unto the Lord, even burnt offerings morning and evening. It's because of the fear they understood for us to be able to now get the protection of God. To begin to interact with the Lord, that this is the first thing we need to do. Look, this this temple took 20 years to rebuild. They got stopped. 
they got, you know, they got, they went through a lot. But the first thing that they did do was build that place of sacrifice back up. It was necessary for them to build that back up. Because this is what's going to give them the protection that they needed. They needed to begin to fall in line with what's been set in place. This was a place. The whole place, the whole temple is an altar. The whole tabernacle was an altar. It was a way to be able to approach God. And it be at peace with him. (laughs) It's a way for us to be able to be at peace with him when we approach him. Because we don't know, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't talk as much about this is why salvation is needed because we were his enemies, meaning we were, we were not his friends. So he made ways because he's so gracious for us to still be able to interact with him. Amen. So look, they put the, they put the altar upon the bases and they begin to offer burnt offerings thereon unto the Lord, even burnt offerings of mourning in the evening, this burnt offering, uh, we go to the definition of burnt offering. Uh, this burnt offering was a lamb in the morning and a lamb in the evening. Right. And that definition is a whole burnt offering, meaning to ascent or stairway or steps. We're trying to go up without anything burning. This is why I picked the song. You know, we wanted, I wanted to set the stage. There is something God requires before you begin to go up to another place. Before you, we're talking about going up to go worship and sup with him. There's something he requires. A complete sacrifice. A whole burnt offering, meaning there was nothing that was held back. If you're holding something back, God did not tell you to do that. I know this is difficult because this is where it comes in conflict with what the psychologists say. And I'm, I was a psych major. I believe in counseling. I believe in all of that. But I'm talking about with him, he sets the rules. So when he says this is what I want, then he's supposed to be able to get that. But we don't do that. I'm not talking about just with people. But when it involves people and we're holding something back and it's still what God requires, then we're stopping our progress. And because we've tried to disconnect the two, I didn't even mean to talk about this this much, because we begin to disconnect the two, God and his people, or God and the way that I want to go, that keeps him to be the same God that I've learned him to be, then I don't go up. I may learn more where I'm at because <laughs> he doesn't stop speaking. So I may learn more where I'm at, but for you to go up and step into what you've learned, it's going to take a sacrifice. Something's going to have to burn. It's going to have to burn, baby. Burn. It's going to have to burn. We don't want to be burnt up in his presence. We want his presence, but he's a consuming fire. We want his presence, but not to be burned. Nothing to be given. What is God requiring? What has God been continuously told you that he wants from you? That you say, well, I can't do that because because of what you think in your head. So really what you're saying is what we what we begin to say. We say, well, this is what I think it is. 
And that's what I give my devotion to instead of trying to see how to do what God told me to do. Or this is how I feel about it. Or this is what I'm fearful of. So I, I never go up the steps to go to the next place where he is because he's requiring something to come closer. Amen. He's requiring something. This daily burnt sacrifice was a lamb in the morning and a lamb in the evening, right? And this is this is the thing as we interact with the Father, we interact now through the sacrifice that He's given, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Right? So we can come to Him, Lamb in the morning, Lamb in the in His name, in Jesus' name, Hallelujah. We I thank God for that sacrifice. Now we're able to now see because of the altar that Jesus was was offered on the cross, we're able to come to him. But think about this. This is where Jesus and Paul understood something. And this is where Jesus began to make these requirements. Say, if you're going to come after me, you got to first what deny yourself and then take up your cross. My cross. Meaning that place of offering where I offer my life. He said, yeah, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to take the full penalty for, for us, that, for you to be able to have access to God. The full penalty. My blood is going to pay the debt, but you won't skip the cross. My blood is going to pay the debt so you can come to me, but you can't skip the cross. You got to take up your cross. See, your cross looks different from day to day. My cross looks different from day to day, from week to week, month to month, season to season in our lives. What does your cross look like? Make up your mind that you're going to take it up and walk with it until you die. Until God say, that's acceptable. Oh, I accept that. I, yes, now it's dead. Because there, no, there was no offerings that were brought before him that was alive. They slayed the animal. So the blood <laughs> would drain. They, they had the coals hot enough to burn the animal. Jesus took the fiery judgment of God for us. So now we can have peace and we can come and encounter him face to face. But we're trying to skip the cross. This is why Paul said, well, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live not, not, not I, but Christ liveth in me. So the life that I live now, I live it by the faith of the son of God who what? Loved me and gave himself for me. I'm crucified. Meaning my, my, I should be striving to die. This is where we say, well, God, you know, well, how am I supposed to love people if I don't love myself? If you love yourself, we'll obey. We, the way we really truly love ourselves is we obey. When I disobey, that means I don't, I'm, show, I'm not showing myself love. God is requiring a sacrifice. What is it? I know you've been toiling with it. I know you've been fighting with it. 
I know it's been difficult, but God is trying to call you to the carpet today. He's calling us to the carpet today. Will you give it? He know you've been calling on him. You want him. You want him to come close. God, God, I want you to bless what I'm doing. God, I want you to be with me. God, but he's saying not on your terms, though. Not on yours. I come on my terms. That means if you got to tear down your mindset, then that's just what you got to do. Tear it down. That means if you got to face fear and still sacrifice like they did here, face the fear and still sacrifice. Let the fear drive you to the sacrifice. Come on, give me verse four. I'm running out of time. Amen. So they kept also the Feast of Tabernacles, as it is written, and offered daily the daily burnt offerings by number, according to the custom, as the duty of every day required. So, look, the Feast of Tabernacles was the Feast of Booths is pretty much when they begin to commemorate where they came from, where they were delivered from, coming out of Egypt. For some of us, you need to really, really remember what God saved you from. I know we talk about it, but we need to look back. And some of us, it may just be last month. It may be yesterday. It may be a few years ago. But in and, and, and essence, it's all of us is day to day. He's saving us from day to day. Every day he's saving us, keeping us, protecting us. So we should commemorate as we come before him and say, God, you, you are worthy, worth this sacrifice. And you may have to wrestle with God with your emotions and your mindset and, and everything that you have on the inside of you to begin to give what he wants. So you can have the communion that you're looking for. Because they understood to keep these particular feasts took, it even took sacrifice. This was seven to eight days of sacrificing of a celebration where people were giving up pretty much their, their income. Which is a part of worship that we're not talking about. We're talking, what we talking about this morning is this. Us. Come on, give me verse five. And afterward, offer continual burnt offering, both of the new moons and of all the set feasts. Of all the set feasts of the Lord that were consecrated and of everyone that willingly offered a freewill offering unto the Lord. This is the key. The key is what? Sacrifice. If you haven't got it so far. <laughs> Amen. The key is sacrifice. We have to give what he is required. And when they offered on the new moons, it was a new start. Some of you need a new start in your walk. You know your walk is stale right now, is, is, is trash. It's trash. And we've all been there. Get to a dry place. You don't know what to give him. And as I was preparing for this, I begin to, I begin to remember, even though what Pastor Lincoln was talking about, times where he would worship for hours, it was, and God would come down and consume that offering. And God was showing me, this is what I was doing. This is why he would get lost in me for hours because I was pleased with what he was offering. And someone was trying to figure out like, how, did, how, how would he do that? It was because of what he offered. So 
we begin to now come through this particular sermon series so we can begin to learn and understand and know as he began to take us through the tabernacle and take us through this particular sermon series on how to approach God in a way that is pleasurable to him. Where we indeed will still be pleased too because there's nothing greater than him. Amen. So come on, we're going to run to Psalm 51 and 17. Psalm 51 and 17. So the sacrifices of God. So we say, well, God, what do I sacrifice? What is God really looking for? The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a contrite, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. So he's saying, look, a shattered spirit. But I want you to, one of the definitions here for spirit, the, the, this is the ruach. But this is also, when you go to it, it's talking about the odor. The base of spirit, one of the definitions is to smell or the odor. What smell, what scent does God get from you? What scent do I give off in my sacrifice? Is it a scent of pride? Is it a scent of anger? Is it a scent of bitterness? Is it a scent of thanksgiving? Is it a scent of gratitude and love? Is it a, is it, what scent? What is burning? When we come before him, when we're living for him, when we begin to obey, what is burning? Or when we disobey, what does that smell like? We've heard our apostles say, oh, I smell your flesh. Just think about this. What is he saying? He's saying what? Your sacrifice, what's burning in you right now is your flesh. And that's not acceptable to God. So for you, I need you to come out of your flesh so you can begin to now break up. Break up whatever is causing you to be in this fleshly, sinful type nature. So the smell that you have begins to please the Lord. So he can begin to respond to it. This is one of the ways, this is one of the things that Paul says about Christ. He's a sweet smelling savor to the Lord. So this is why we can come before God through Christ because Christ smelled good enough for us to come without stinking stuff. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful. He smells good enough to God that I can come with everything that's not right in me and get it right. And he can show me how do I, how do I break up this stuff? For someone, we don't want our spirit to be broken. So we won't give control over to someone else to be able to lead us in the right way so we can know how to sacrifice. But when they set up the altar, they set it up according to somebody else's instructions that was given by God. Somebody else's instructions, Moses' instructions, who wasn't even there. They set it back up according to the requirement that it was always there. They didn't say, oh, well, let's change this. Let's change that. Let's change this and make it better if we ain't got to go up so many steps. And this will make it better if we use this type of wood instead of that type of wood. This will make it better if we just make it a little lower so we can do less work to be able to sacrifice to God. You know, you got some older people coming. Maybe the priests want to break and stuff like that. And, you know, maybe people can offer their own sacrifice. They didn't come up with no new inventions. Some things have to remain the same. Because it's the rules of engagement until God changes it. 
sacrifice, the sacrifices of God what, are a broken spirit, a broken season. We're not broken enough to say, God, let me build this back up. Just think about it. When you, when you was really close, you was more in a broken place. Come on, give me Genesis chapter 8, 20 and 21. Say I'm not going to hold y'all. Jesus name. I just want to show you that even back here before the Old Testament or before the Levitical time was set in place, that the smell of an offering did something to the Lord. Say, so, and Noah built it an altar unto the Lord and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. Now, for us, burning flesh is not a sweet savor. Burning animals, I don't think it's a sweet savor. It was the intent. Why is this man who God already saved coming straight off the ship and saying, look, I'm going to now offer a sacrifice to him. It said, the Lord said, what? In his heart, I would not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite anymore everything living as I have done. It is this sacrifice that keeps us engaged with God. He understood something. That it wasn't just a ship to save me. It was because I know how to engage with him to even hear him. I know what I know what pleases him. I know how to give him what smells sweet to him. See, what smells sweet to him doesn't smell sweet to us. What feels pleasurable to him, it doesn't always feel pleasurable in the beginning for us. And that's the problem. We can't worship for pleasure. Sometimes we, we're worshiping because we want to feel better. And worship is not about feeling better. It's about the offering up to God, something that pleases and makes him happy and content. That delights his heart. And you're trying to figure out how, what is it that will delight him. This is why some of we get into prayer and we're trying to figure out, God, is it going to be the jump today? Is it going to be my hallelujah today? Is it going to be this? Is it and when I get on my knees or get on my face? Or is it going to be the run today? Is it going to be what is it that causes him to begin to show up? Why is it that we have to spend so much time in praise? And I'm not saying that as a bad thing. What I'm saying is that's the offering. We're offering that praise to the Lord, that sacrifice until he sees, oh, your heart's starting to line up now with what you're saying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And now, now I can come down and begin to inhabit this thing. But when we offering that sacrifice unto the Lord, what is it that the Lord wants to burn up in your life? What are we offering? What are we giving? I want to encourage you today to give God what he wants what he's required. If you've been given clear instructions, just stop not doing them. It's simple. We want this to be simple, but we, sometimes we make it hard. Just do what God has said to do. If there's people you need to forgive, leave your gift, leave your anointing at the altar. Go get it right with the person, meaning don't go take your gift to go get it right. Because some of us, we want to take, go be human and get it right. 
And when you can connect the two, then you really got something going. Because some of us, we're so spiritual, we stop being human. We forget that we're dealing with another human being. Go be human and get it right. Then come back and offer your gift. You're looking for growth. You're looking to bask in his presence. Offer what he wants. Give him the sacrifice he's looking for. Rebuild the altar. Rebuild that meeting place. Rebuild that stairway. Amen. Thanks for tuning in and please make sure to visit us at churchoffilla.com for more podcasts and ways to connect with us on social to like, subscribe, follow, and share content as it comes along. Special thanks to those who give in so many ways to this ministry. We could not do any of this without you. And if you want to give or be a part, visit churchoffilla.com forward slash give for more information. Thanks so much for listening. God bless.